0: Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture tonight. Thank you for being here. We hope and pray that the time that we have together tonight will be beneficial. Very grateful for your presence. If you are one of our visitors, as always, we invite you to come back. We're so grateful that you have chosen to come back tonight and to honor us with your presence. We're very grateful for the opportunity to meet again tonight, and we're very thankful for every person who's here. Uh, I do want to just mention very quickly a bit of good news. Tonight, Michael St. Pierre obeyed the gospel, and we rejoice in that. He was baptized about 5 o'clock this afternoon, and he is married to Eddie Archer's cousin. And so I know that Eddie would be extremely, extremely proud tonight, and this would have made his day. And so we want you to know that uh, it's been a great day. We appreciate so very much his desire to become a New Testament Christian, and we rejoice with him. Uh, very grateful for that. Uh, we're going to be looking tonight at a very specific verse in the New Testament, and then go back and look at some Old Testament verses that tie in, verses that relate To Solomon and before we do that I do want to just take this opportunity to express appreciation I did not do this this morning I should have but I want to express appreciation to Jared for preaching in my absence last week and very grateful for his willingness to do that very grateful for all the great work that he does here and uh, appreciate him and Anna and Charlie very very much in Matthew chapter 12 at verse 42 Passage that was read just a moment ago. Jesus said, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was a man renowned for his wisdom and wealth. And I would add to that all of his great work. Everyone knew about Solomon in his day. His fame was incredible. And yet what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 is that a greater than Solomon has come on the scene. So tonight, what I want us to do is to think about Solomon in all of his splendor. And of course, you remember that Solomon was the son of David. Solomon succeeded his father on the throne. And Solomon had the opportunity to rule over the United Kingdom. His vast wealth and fame were unparalleled in his day. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, is saying to people of all generations, there is someone far greater than Solomon. And so tonight I want to call attention to some Old Testament passages that I think reflect this, and I want to call attention to the book of 1 Kings, and as we think about the greatness of Solomon, in all of his splendor. I want to begin by first and foremost calling attention to the fact that Jesus was greater in wisdom. You remember the Bible says in 1 Kings, the Lord appeared to Solomon at Gibeon and said, Ask. He wanted to know, what can I give you? Solomon's response was somewhat surprising. Because he said, give your servant an understanding heart that I might discern the people. And God blessed Solomon with wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to use the information that we possess. You and I today, we have, through schooling and other areas in life, we have acquired a vast reservoir of information or knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts and data. Wisdom, however, is knowing how to use the information that we possess. And so here's a man that was renowned for his wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter four, listen to what the record says about Solomon. Solomon. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. And then look at verse 32. Solomon was said to have spoken 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,000. And five, and then in verse 33, the Bible says he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals. We talk about those who major in zoology and are interested in the animal kingdom. He also spoke of birds, of creeping things. And a fish. And men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And then over in chapter 10, we have an account of the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south. And the Bible says that she came from the ends of the earth to see and to hear about the wisdom of and wealth of this great man. And listen to what it said in verse seven. She said, well, in verse six, she said, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw it with my own eyes. And she said, and indeed, the half was not told. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame Which I heard. So you think about the wisdom of Solomon and then compare that to the wisdom of Jesus, the wisdom of the Savior. And there are so many passages that we could look at with regard to the wisdom of Jesus. I'm reminded of what was said of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. You remember he had been teaching, typically what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible says that when he had ended these sayings, the people were astonished because he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. In John chapter 7, verse 46, it was said of Jesus, no man ever spoke like this man. Do you remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus identified himself as the bread of life? And the Bible talks about how many of those people who were present on that occasion had difficulty comprehending the depth of his message. And so John said, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus then asked the penetrating question, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. Peter understood that there was something special about Jesus. Not only was there something special about Jesus, but there was something special about what he had to say. Why? Because Peter recognized that what Jesus had to say, what he had to say related to eternal life. So what about his wisdom? I can only imagine what it would have been like to have said, sat at the feet of Solomon and to have listened to his great wisdom. But what about sitting at the feet of Jesus? There are two things that Jesus offers people of every generation. There are things that Jesus has to offer that Solomon could never have offered. One of which is satisfaction. Are there not people in our world today that are looking for some sense of satisfaction or validation in life? Are people not looking for the purpose, the meaning of life? And the answer is yes. And there are a lot of people that are looking for the meaning of life and the purpose of life and satisfaction in the things that the world has to offer. In John chapter 6, I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus as as he identified himself as the bread of life and Jesus had fed a great multitude of people with five barley loaves and two small fish and multitudes of people were following him and so Jesus would say labor not for the food, the meat that perishes but that which endures to everlasting life. You see, there's something that Jesus has to offer that can fill your soul. Not necessarily material in nature. It's not physical. It's not anything carnal, but it is spiritual. And so, to think about the satisfaction that we have in Christ, I think about the Apostle Paul and all the difficulties and trials and tribulations that he faced in life. Here was a man that understood something about persecution and trial. And so when he wrote to the church at Philippi, do you remember what he said? He said, I have learned in whatever state I am in, therein to be content. Don't you think that the Apostle Paul tapped in to the satisfaction that only Jesus can offer? Solomon as you well know, had the opportunity to, to literally place, place life under a microscope. And Sol- Solomon talked about quest after quest after quest in life, and you can read about it in Ecclesiastes. Solomon came to the conclusion that what life was all about was fearing God and keeping His commandments. Because he said, this is man's all. This is what life's all about. A lot of folks miss that. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, far greater in wisdom. Jesus Jesus has the ability to offer us satisfaction. And then there's another component that Jesus and Jesus alone can give us, and it's called security. We all want security in life, don't we? Think about how we go to great lengths to secure the premises upon which we live. We try to secure our automobiles. We try to secure our property. We're concerned about people taking the property that we own. And then we're concerned about our physical well-being, our physical security. Fearful that someone might harm us. There's something that Jesus has to offer that no one else can offer, and That's called eternal security. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I think about as we live here in this world and all the ups and downs and highs and lows and joys and frustrations. And you think about some of the difficulties that are imposed upon us in this life and to think that we as God's people can feel safe and secure in Christ, can't we? Isn't there a measure of security afforded us as God's people, as Christians? Do you remember Jesus said on one occasion, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Is there an abundant life provided us in Christ? The answer is yes. But you think about once we become a child of God and as we strive to the best of our ability to walk in the light as he is in the light, the promise is the blood of Jesus is constantly cleansing us from all sin. And so we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. And so as a child of God, we can live secure in the presence of God, knowing that when this life comes to an end, there's something far greater. I think one of the great passages in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, When Paul said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, this tent, this earthly body is dissolved. He said, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. That's security, isn't it? And let me tell you what, nobody can take that from you. Do you remember Jesus in Matthew chapter six when he said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth? Because he said, the problem with the treasures that are here upon earth, moths can destroy them. Thieves can steal them. And so he said, here's what you need to do. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so Jesus is saying to us today, he's saying to every generation that we can enjoy satisfaction and security, and it's in him. And you think about all the great blessings that we enjoy as Christians and then add to that the fact that we as as Christians have the opportunity to share the wisdom of Jesus with other people and to let them know that, yes, there's a greater than Solomon and Jesus Christ has the ability to give you satisfaction and security in your life. There's a second thing I want to call your attention to First, Jesus was greater in wisdom, but also Jesus is greater in wealth. Solomon was an extremely wealthy man. Let me just read for you what the record says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 26. Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. He made cedars as abundant as the, as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kepha. The king's merchants bought them in Kepha at the current price. A chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver, a horse 150. And thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. And then, if you would, turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes very quickly. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for a moment, if you would. And listen to Solomon as he talks about his great accomplishments and his wealth, his possessions. In verse 4, he said, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. And I had, and had servants born in my house. He said, yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. What would we we think about standing in the presence of a man of this stature, the immensity of his wealth? You know, we talk about Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, men that are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. They have so much money, so many material possessions, I personally cannot begin to wrap my mind around it. I read about an individual not long ago worth some two to three billion dollars. If I were to call his name, you would know. You would know this man. He said he has some 27 households around the world. The guy's got more money than he'll ever be able to spend. And there are people like that. And there are some people in our world today, they live such lavish lives. It's hard for us to understand the depth of their wealth. But I want to say to you tonight that though Solomon was wealthy, The wealth of Jesus exceeded the wealth of Solomon. Jesus was greater in wealth than Solomon. You might ask the question, how so? How in the world could Jesus have been greater in wealth than this man? First, I want you to think about the riches of Christ. In Psalm 50, there's a statement made about the Lord. The psalmist said on behalf of the Lord, the world is mine and all of its fullness. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 26 said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Do you know what he was saying there? What Paul was saying, what the psalmist was saying was that everything, every single solitary thing on planet earth belongs to the Lord. Really, we're just stewards of the things that God has entrusted into our care. We don't own anything. I mean, you think about the things that we accumulate in life, and some people have accumulated vast empires. What happens at death? I remember several years ago when my grandmother died, and she wasn't a rich person by any standard. Never never made a lot of money. Never had a lot. Never learned to drive an automobile. When she died, she had few possessions. And I remember as we began sifting through her things, we began parsing out the things that she had left behind. And I thought, you know, It's as if she never lived because all of the things that she had accumulated were given away. Can't take it with us, can we? Do you remember what Paul said? We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Job said, naked came I into this world, naked shall I depart. We come with nothing and we leave with nothing. And so, the riches of Christ. The Bible says that when we become a child of God, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So I think about the riches of Christ and then the riches in Christ. The greatest blessing in life is to be a Christian, isn't it? Do you believe that? Aren't you grateful to be a child of God? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was willing to come to earth and live and die for you? And you think about how Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, talks about how we as, as his children, we enjoy all spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing, and they all reside in one place, that's in Christ Jesus. The most important place that you can be, spiritually speaking, is in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you have it all. The Lord Jesus Christ bestows on you riches that are unparalleled. Do you remember a man by the name of Gaius in 3 John? John said, Beloved, I pray or wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Gaius was prospering spiritually, and the reason was because he was in Christ. When we're in Jesus Christ, we too prosper. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus looks at the church at Smyrna under a microscope. And the Lord would say in chapter 2 that he is the one who searches the reins and hearts and gives to every man according to his works. So Jesus looks into this congregation in Smyrna. And Jesus talked about their poverty. These folks didn't have a lot. But then parenthetically, here's what he said about them. But you are rich. Why were they rich? Because they were in Christ. Because they enjoyed all spiritual blessings in Christ. And you know, sometimes I think about how people like to sit back and reflect upon all of the blessings that they enjoy materially and monetarily and there's nothing wrong with thinking about what God has blessed us with but do you ever get tired of hearing about the spiritual blessings that you enjoy in Christ don't you like to be reminded over and over and over again about how blessed you are as a Christian we said before the best life is in Christ why is that because the best life is the blessed life If you're in Jesus, you are blessed and you are enjoying the best of life. There's nothing this world has to offer that's better than being in Christ because you have pardon from God. God's forgiven you of all your sins. And here's what the Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. He said, I will remember no more. God will forgive all sin. He'll forgive any sin. And if you're a child of God, he's forgiven you. You've been pardoned redeemed. And then add to that the peace that God has blessed you with in your life. Paul said we enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 5. And then we add to that the peace of God, Philippians chapter 4, the peace that passes all understanding. The fact that you're a Christian, you have peace with God and the peace of God. Privilege of prayer. How valuable is prayer to you as a Christian? You think about the riches of Christ and then the riches in Christ, and to think that as a child of God, God has given you the privilege of calling upon His name day and night, day in, day out, week in, week out. I wouldn't trade anything for prayer, would you? Didn't Peter say the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers? Aren't you grateful for prayer? And then what about his abiding presence in your life? And to think that as a child of God, wherever you go, the Lord will be with you. That's what God said to Joshua. He said the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go in Joshua chapter 1. And so we have the abiding presence of God. And I would add to that that when we come to the end of life here upon planet Earth, the psalmist in the long ago claimed the presence of God because he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I don't have to walk the corridors of death by myself. The promise is the Lord will be with me. And then we have the promise of heaven. As you grow older in life, the thought of heaven, the thoughts of being free from pain and heartache and sorrow become much sweeter. You recognize, as Peter said, that you're just a stranger, a pilgrim here upon this earth. You're just passing through. And every day brings us one step closer to being in the presence of God. And Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Did you know that the Lord is preparing a place for you to abide forever with Him? And so I think about the vast riches that we enjoy in Christ. There's a third thing I want to share. I know know our time is gone. Go back with me and look at the kings for a moment. Jesus was greater in wisdom than Solomon. Jesus was greater in wealth than Solomon. And Jesus was greater in works than Solomon. The Bible talks about the great works of Solomon. We read a moment ago, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, about some of the things that Solomon achieved and did. Did you know that Solomon built two houses, so to speak? The Bible says that Solomon spent 13 years building his own palace. Can you imagine what that palace looked like? I mean, here's a guy that invested 13 years of labor in a palace that he would call home. And then the Bible talks about the temple that he he built. 20 years building the temple and his house. And you can read the book of Haggai and you'll come to understand that the temple of Solomon must have been incredible. I can't imagine what what that... temple look like so you think about the two projects of Solomon but did you know that Jesus the Savior the Lord has built two houses hasn't he the Bible says the first house that Jesus built was the church it's called the house of the living God the Lord Jesus prepared a house for those of us who follow him to reside in on planet Earth. When we obey the gospel, we become a part of the church. God adds us to the church. It's that spiritual body that He's promised to save. And every person who is in the church is a part of that body. But then, as I said a moment ago, the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare for us an eternal abiding place. That's the home that one day we will reside in with Christ. We reside in the church. We're in Christ. But there's coming a day when we will reside with Christ in heaven. Peter said that we have an inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fades not away, and he said, it's reserved in heaven for you. There's a beautiful song that we sing from time to time when we all get to heaven. And I think about that one stanza, that one stanza that that says, just one glimpse of him in glory will all the toils of life repay. Jesus is greater than Solomon. The Lord Jesus is greater in wealth, in wisdom, and in work. And so as he said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Aren't you thankful to be a follower of Jesus? If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and you want to be a follower of Jesus, here's what you would need to do. First, you need to believe that he is the son of God. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't believe that. If you believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, the son of God, and you would be willing to walk away from the world, through repentance and confess his name before others you can be baptized into Christ and all your sins will be washed away and you like Michael can leave here tonight one of his children if you're here tonight and you need the prayers of the church we had two came, who came forward this morning asking for prayer because of some of the struggles that they face in life It might be that you're faced with trouble and trial in your life and you just need the prayers of the church. It might be you want to be back in fellowship with God and you want the prayers of the church on your behalf. We'd love to pray with you and for you tonight as we stand and sing.